0: What's up everybody welcome into a TGIFFFF edition of Texans All Access. I don't know if I got too many F's in there but all I know is I am very thankful for a Friday edition. Thank God it's football Friday. You can throw in some other F's that probably can't say on the FCC uh, airwaves but really excited about this edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host John Harris, football analyst fresh off of Battle of the Piney Woods coaches luncheon today. We had over uh, at NRG Stadium, and and that was a that uh, was a blast. However, I missed the game again. I never. They always have the Battle of Piney Woods whenever we've got a road game, and so I never get a chance uh, to see it. I've gotten to know the coaches Casey Keeler and Colby Carthel uh, pretty well. Uh, Casey, the the coach for Sam Houston State, defending national champions, and Colby Carthel doing a great job at Stephen F. Austin with a 3-1 record and lost to Texas Tech in Lubbock seven yards away. They had an opportunity to get it done uh, in Texas Tech to knock off the Red Raiders. This is with Tyler Shuck and they have losing by six. It's a good football team. So 3-1 football team versus defending national champs 3-0. It's going to be a great game. And we had one heck of a luncheon today and appreciate everybody that was involved with that. And if you're going... To the game this weekend you're gonna have a blast it's gonna be SFA against Sam Houston State Battle of Piney Woods NRG Stadium get over there I mean if you're looking for something to do this weekend and you know maybe you don't have uh I don't know you don't have a a team on either side you know maybe you went to all I don't know say University of Minnesota and you just don't know what you're gonna do with your time and you're like you know I like football I'd like to see live football hey man get on over to NRG Stadium and check that out because there's all kinds of good stuff that's happening over at the Battle of the Piney Woods. you want tickets, uh, kickoff's tomorrow at 4 p.m. Tickets are still available. So lsc.net, go get some tickets and get over the game. And you'll enjoy the heck out of it. You will love watching these two teams play uh it's gonna be fun stuff and our good friend dp city is gonna be down on the sidelines for the radio broadcast so that's awesome stuff as well and next week yours truly will be doing the color analyst uh color analysis for sam's game against lamar at bauer stadium so got a lot going on but back to the matter at hand and that is a trip to buffalo oh man second time in six years. I mean, that's the maximum you can go. So, last year, it was Cleveland. We went to Cleveland in 2014, went back in 2020. It was six years. That's the most you can have in between stints of going to AFC stadiums. Same with Pittsburgh. We went in 2014, didn't go again until 2020. Well, Buffalo, even though we've seen them in 2018, then saw again in 2019. Those games were both at home. One a regular season game, won a playoff game. Now we're going back up there for our AFC East uh, flip floppy thing what we do every three years and so that's why we're going up there this year to Buffalo so looking forward to getting up there go see my guy Sal Capaccio love the radio crew there John Murphy uh, does a way of a job Eric Wood does stuff uh, for them you have uh, Eric, uh, Steve Tasker who a lot of people know uh, and then my buddy Sal down on the sideline so love going up there to see the radio crew will not love going to see the team that we're going to see on the other sideline that's for sure Holy smokes, that's a talented squad. But it's not going to stop us from putting together a Good Friday All-Access show. So we got a lot for you. we are hear from David Culler here in just a second. We're going to hear from Davis Mills not once but twice. We're going to hear from Roy Lopez on the show. I get to give you my keys to the game. We got to do my predictions straight up and against the spread. I pick each and every NFL game. I know my record is probably about 98.6%. Uh, so you can just believe me on that and then like I said you're gonna hear from Davis Mills twice Uh, you'll hear from Davis Mills also to close down the show so Davis Mills to start Davis Mills to end but before we get to Davis Mills we got a little bit of work to do because we kick off every Friday show with the head coach of your Houston Texans and that is David Cully here's coach Cully with Mark Vandermeer getting us ready for this one against Buffalo.
1: Joining us right now it's Coach David Culley as we get ready for the Texans at Buffalo. And, Coach, tell me how the week of preparation has been for this one because you've had an extra long week to get ready for the Bills.
2: It's been good. Basically, Mark, what we did is we took, you know, the weekend off for our guys. We come back in on Monday. We got a little head start on it because as coaches we kind of had that weekend to be able to, to get things ready for them when they mm-hmm. came in, a little bit more so than we normally would in a normal week. So when they came back in here on Monday, that extra day really helped us in, in presenting to them what we wanted to get done against Buffalo this week, especially coming off that, uh, uh, the Thursday night game. And it's been really, really good for us. I, I feel like our football team right now is well prepared to go play this one. Uh, what happened last week is behind us right now. We're looking forward to it. Uh, that's all that matters, and, and we are ready to go.
1: So, how difficult is it to impersonate Josh Allen in practice to simulate what he does for the look team?
2: Well, it, it's it's tough to do that, but I tell you what, Jeff Driscoll's done a great job this week. As a matter of fact, Jeff Jeff is kind of like the he's got good size too. He kind of mm-hmm. looks at him that way. He's got a good strong arm, and Jeff is very athletic, just like Josh is. So uh, he's done a really good job of giving us uh, a good look this week. As a matter of fact. There's a couple of times in practice he, he was too good at giving us that look. So, but he's done an excellent job of that for us. All
1: right, and their offense, obviously, we talk about Josh Allen, but they run the ball pretty well too, coach.
2: They do. Uh, you know, there's been games where you know they've run the ball very well. There's been games where because they play four and five wides a bunch, where they see they throw that ball. But when you got a guy like Josh back there, that when the ball's in his hands and with the skill that they've got playing there, uh, they're very versatile in what they do. And and basically they can be as balanced as you need to be to be able to attack you in all kind of ways, but uh, I, I've just haven't been there and haven't worked with Brian before. I just know they love throwing that football because they've got good people to do that. But I also understand too that that when there's a time that you got to have some balance and running the ball is doing that. And, and I'm sure that they'll uh, they'll do what they feel like they need to do to attack us.
1: So, Davis Mills' second start, how helpful is it that he lived through what he got through in Cleveland in that tough environment in the second half now that he's in Buffalo playing this one?
2: Well, it's going to be the similar environment to Mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in, in Cleveland, I mean, it was so loud up there when we played them. And then when he came in, he didn't bat an eye. I mean, mm-hmm. he didn't bat an eye. You know, he came in, if I go, I go back to the Cleveland game, I think the second pass, uh, the first or second pass he threw was an interception. When he came back in that environment and took us down and scored, and I knew then, right now, that 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 the it wasn't too big for him. That wherever you were playing, home or away, he was going to be fine. And uh, I I think he will be really, really ready to go up there. It will be loud. Uh, we've done some silent count this week. We've we've done the things that we need to do to get mm-hmm. him ready to go there. And we feel like he's ready to go, and our football team's ready to go with him.
1: What about this Bills defense, coach? Because it seems like all three layers have a lot of great players.
2: They do. It, it, it's a it's a defensive football team, Mark. That's played together, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the secondary. Three of the three of the four starters back there have played together for four years now. Three or four years now. Uh, Their linebackers, which were were rookies when I when I came in there, are now playing very well. Uh, and then they they brought in some up front people there. It's a quality, solid defense on the front end, the back end, and in the middle end. It's a It'll be a good task for us this week. All right, special teams
1: matchup. You get Kaimi back. That's nice. What about the elements of the kicking game?
2: Well, again, we, we want to be able to, which we haven't done that yet this year, and we feel like this is a good opportunity, is we want to use our special teams to score. Mm-hmm. Our special teams has done a really good job for us of changing field position. Uh, we've, we've, we've had a couple of little blunders in, in handling the ball. Uh, we feel like we've got that taken care of right now. And, and if we can take care of the ball, we feel like that uh, we can use our special teams to actually score points.
1: Coach, thanks so much for joining us. Best of luck against the Bills.
2: Thank you very much, Mark.
0: All right, let's get to the second thing that we always do on a Friday show, and this one might take a little while because we got some stuff to sift through with the injury report and not only that, transaction that came down, oh, I don't know, about 3 o'clock, 3.30 this afternoon. Because when I looked at the injury report, I was like, wait a second, something isn't quite right here and I was like wait I'm, I'm not seeing a name that I was pretty sure was going to show up on the injury report but he didn't because he along with somebody else ended up on the COVID-19 reserve list and we're going to get to that in just a second but the Friday injury report turns into a status report and it's got some good news and well not some good news because of that one other report that came out and we'll get to that in just a second but the injury status report as it pertains to this one two players for your Texans who did not participate all week long uh I believe yeah all week long Danny Amendola has been dealing with that leg injury so he is out as is Scotty Phillips Scotty's been sick all week and so he is out as well limited participants in practice Terrence Mitchell Coming back from illness, but also dealing with that concussion he suffered against the Browns now, not quite two weeks ago, but just about. So he's questionable, which I want to believe is good news, but you know how those things kind of are. I want to believe it's good news that he's going to be able to play, but he's questionable. Also questionable is Garrett Wallow, who was a limited participant in practice today. He's also dealing with the illness. So that's the kind of eh, news. The good news is that three key players that we have been really keeping an eye on, two that didn't play last Thursday, one that did, but was also on the injury report this week, Justin Britt, Kamu Grugier-Hill, and Justin Reed, full participants in practice today. Yes! And they will play. They're in. So out, Danny Amendola, Scotty Phillips. Questionable, Terrence Mitchell, Garrett Wallow. But full participants, Justin Brick, Kamu Grugier-Hill, Justin Reed. Now, before we get to the bills, that other transaction I was talking about, this came down, like I said, uh, probably about 3.30 because I had got a little bit of a heads up that maybe one of the guys that was going to end up on this bill, uh, on this injury report, I didn't see. And I thought, oh, well, maybe we, I don't know, maybe we maybe we dodged a bullet here. Uh, but we didn't. And not only did we not dodge a bullet, um, we got it kind of going uh, the other direction as well because there's an additional individual on the transaction wire, and that would be Zach Cunningham and Ross Blacklock, both placed on the reserve Covid-19 list. Now, I'm not getting into who's vaccinated, who isn't. What I, I, I don't know. All I know is they're on the list. And the reason I don't bring up the whole vaccination thing is I don't know what the the return could be for these guys. If they're not vaccinated, it's got to be 10 days. If they are and they're showing symptoms or not showing symptoms, then they can get back in a short amount of shorter amount of time by testing positive. Uh, I think two or three consecutive days. Two. I think it's two days. I, either way. Point being, that by going on the reserve COVID-19 list today, it pretty much ensures OUT on Sunday being out, and those are massive losses against the Buffalo Bills. Massive losses. Ross is playing about as well – no, I shouldn't say that. He was playing well beyond any point of his 2020 season as a rookie. He was playing extremely well, and he played very well against the Carolina Panthers, had the first sack of his career. And Zach Cuttingham, we all know what Zach means uh, to this defense and what he has meant since his rookie year in 2017 when he stepped in week two, started next to Roderick McKinney when Brian Cushing uh, was suspended prior to the Cincinnati Bengals game. So let's go back and do this again. Out for the Texans, Scotty Phillips, Danny Amendola, Zach Cunningham, Ross Blacklock, as those last two go on the COVID-19 list. Ugh. Got punched. Now, let's flip it over to the Bills side because there is – look, I never want to say that I'm excited to see anybody out or hurt or anything like that. But we're just talking about a football kind of chess match, so to speak. The – I'm not, I don't know chess, but my guess is that a rook is pretty important. That's kind of what Jordan Poyer is. Jordan Poyer's been dealing with the ankle. One of the safety duos, uh, one half of the safety duo that I absolutely love. Jordan Poyer will not play in this game. He is out dealing with that ankle. John Feliciano is a starting guard for the Bills. He's been dealing with concussion. Now, I don't believe either of them practiced. Um, Actually, Feliciano's an interesting one because he was sick Wednesday, limited participant. Then he showed up with a concussion on Thursday, and now he's out with that concussion. So apparently, he got that in practice. So Feliciano, starting guard, out. Poyer, starting safety, out. Teron Johnson starting nickel, depending on how you look at it and what they're going to be in. But he's an important piece of that secondary. He is the nickel. He had a 101-yard interception return against Lamar Jackson last year in that playoff game uh, that gave Buffalo the win in that one. He is questionable. Teron, I don't believe, has practiced at all. He practiced a little bit on Wednesday and then on Thursday and Friday. So he's not moving in the right direction, and he's questionable. So Poyer out. Feliciano out. Teron Johnson questionable. Also questionable is defensive end Ife Obada, dealing with an ankle injury. However, the other half of the safety duo is Micah Hyde dealing with that quad injury. Now, he's not practiced a lot this week. No, I take it back. He practiced uh, yesterday, Thursday, and he practiced today full. So Micah Hyde, number 23 will be ready to go. But number 21, Jordan Poyer, will not be ready to go. So, Feliciano, two uh, starter. Jordan Poyer, starter. Toronto Johnson, call him a starter because he's the starting nickel. So three starters on the Bills' side. One starter for the Texans and one other key defensive component. Obviously, Scotty Phillips would like to see do more in the running game, but he's been sick all week, so he's out. And, of course, going to miss Amandola, but I think Anthony Miller steps into that role and does pretty well. So both teams suffering a few injuries. I don't think it cripples either team, especially the Texans, with guys that are coming back and Cam Grugier Hill and Justin Reed and making sure Justin Britt's ready to go. But Jordan Poyer being out of that defense is a big one. It's a big one. Uh, and we'll see how the Bills react to that because they face a rookie, and that rookie is Davis Mills, and he sat down with our own Drew Doherty before this one.
3: Look who it is. It's the QB. Davis Mills in for Drew's dozen. Davis, what's the best Halloween costume you ever wore? Oh, that's a good one.
4: Either a cowboy when I was really young or I wore a Batman costume freshman year of high school that was fit for a fifth grader. <laughs> and I just tried to pull it off. <laughs> so
3: so were you just rippling in this thing?
4: I think there was like a chest piece that came down and it was like a crop top. And uh-huh. I thought it was the coolest thing at the time.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Do you still do Halloween these days?
4: We had some stuff at Stanford that we do, but most of the time you were playing. Yeah. Or preparing the night before so you couldn't do much until after.
3: Yeah, big bummer. You miss out on those things as an athlete. But there's other there's other uh,
4: advantages to that life, right? Definitely. All right, what's your favorite holiday? Probably, say, Christmas or Fourth of July. There are pros to both. Yep. But I think Christmas was always really good family time. Mm-hmm. And then Fourth of July, I can always think of just spending it at the lake um, back home, just out on the water, mm-hmm. hanging out with a bunch of friends and enjoying the holiday.
3: Jet skier? Are you a wakeboarder? How do you do? Th- what do you
4: I mean nothing since being drafted. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. was got into wake surfing uh-huh. pretty recently, and I like to say I'm decent at it. But it, it's really fun.
3: You're pretty modest, so you're probably awesome at it because you if, if you can get up and do it, like that's that's not easy, I is it? I can get
4: up and ride without the rope, but I'm not doing any of the tricks that a lot of the good good riders are doing.
3: Yeah, Pharaoh Brown, your one of your tight ends. He's pretty good at wake surfing as well. He was doing it this summer, and we see this on his Instagram. Got tackled by one of his friends. One of his friends jumped off the boat, tackled him. I thought that was, I almost held my breath because I was worried <laughs> something bad was going to happen there. Thought he was okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm too. If you were not a football player, what would you be doing? What would your career be?
4: Playing basketball or baseball. Yeah, those were my three big sports growing up. And I chose football and it worked out for me. But I'd say that, or if it wasn't in the sport realm entirely, I had an internship in commercial real estate at Stanford that I really enjoyed. I thought it was cool.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's a phenomenal school. Phenomenal business program. Let's stick with the baseball and the basketball. Who's your favorite all-time basketball player?
4: I would say Magic Johnson because oh. I grew up a Michigan State fan because that's where my dad went to undergrad, so I always grew up a Magic fan.
3: So you're a young guy, and most, most guys your age are you know, they're going LeBron. or You're going way back. I yeah. like that. Magic Johnson. He was something special. People forget about No, I don't forget about him, but I think they kind of underrate him these days because of all the time that's passed. How about baseball? You got a favorite baseball player? Were you a Braves Maybe fan growing a Braves up? Braves fan growing yeah. up.
4: Probably chipper andrew jones
3: andrew jones uh it's jordan akins well, another one of your tight ends that's his favorite player growing up and isn't he, it? yeah he played professionally jordan did yep. obviously for four years in the rangers organization but yeah we've talked about that a lot with him the most overrated food in the world is
4: i don't know don't know oh i don't know overrated i'm a good fan of a lot of different <laughs> foods so <laughs> anything you don't like I've never been a fan of mushrooms although they've come on to me a little mo- okay. more recently Yeah, um, cuz the food in the caps really good here yeah, it so is. I've been trying those but I've always despised uh green like peas.
3: Green peas. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. That's when I was younger so well, Boys Betty? What happened, dude?
4: Just my mom made them one time for dinner and I was refusing to eat them and then I finally ate them and didn't go well.
3: Didn't go well. Okay, you can, Yeah, we'll <laughs> leave it at that. It's a family show. What's your favorite exercise in the weight room, and what's your least favorite exercise in the weight room?
4: I think favorite would be some sort of squats. Yeah. I like working out the legs and had some injury stuff in the past that I like to work through and always try to stay up to date with being as strong as possible as I can on the lower body. I don't know, least favorite. No. Maybe some sort of cardio.
3: It's interesting. I've asked this of, I think, three of your teammates now. You've all said squats. Every single one of you, Danny Amendola, Tyrod Taylor. You've all said squat, so that's fascinating that you all go there. Okay, I did not come up with this question. It came to me from our social media team, and uh, shout out Amanda Caffey. She wants to know on Instagram, how come all your posts are in black and white?
4: I don't know. I i think I chose to do it starting probably freshman or sophomore year of high school uh-huh. and just stuck with it. I thought it was pretty cool at the time, and now yeah. I'm kind of in too deep. And I just got to keep rolling with
3: it. What's the last meal that you cooked?
4: A filet with sweet potatoes and asparagus. How'd you cook it? I actually sous vide the steak and then took it out and seared both sides. And then the sweet potatoes chopped up pretty thin. Uh, My girlfriend actually helped with the sides, but it was a dual effort.
3: That's fancy, dude. I was just wondering, like, but is this medium? Is it medium rare? And you're going I'm into all this stuff. I mean, you're sous vide. So I, I don't see. even know what sous vide means.
4: Like. <laughs> so you, it's like water cooking. You put the steak in a airtight, air-sealed bag and uh-huh. then set it in water, and the sous vide will actually heat up the water to a specific temperature. And I set it to, I think, 131, which is right medium rare, clean medium rare and medium. And you let it cook in there for like an hour and a half, let it sit. It'll cook completely through. And then you take it out and sear sides for the crust.
3: I learned stuff. Maybe you you guys watching and listening, maybe you already knew that. I didn't know that. I'm I'm learning stuff all the time. All right, what's the greatest invention ever?
4: Sliced bread. Sliced bread. Sure, we'll go with that. Yeah, we'll
3: go with that. That'll work. Okay. What celebrity do you think you resemble most?
4: I don't know. I got a lot of comparisons growing up to Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> so John Hedder, I think.
3: Nice, that's great. Did but, you ever do? Did you ever do
4: any impersonations
3: of him or anything, or use any of his? I mean, it's
4: one of my favorite movies growing it's up. It's a great movie, and yeah. I might have impersonated him a couple of times, but nice, nothing I can think of right now. This guy can throw a football
3: over the mountains, and he's going to throw a football against the Buffalo Bills on Sunday. Hey, Davis, really appreciate the time. Yep. Thanks so much, man. Thank you.
0: It's great stuff, and it's great to hear Davis Mills on the air. It's fun to hear rookies. It's been a while since we had a chance to hear rookies on the air on the radio. So it's good stuff. Speaking of rookies, holy smokes. How about we do a little double dip here? Because DP Sidhu has got our deep slant interview of the week with, that's right, Roy Lopez. That's next on Texans All Access. I'm calling all of my Houston area teachers out there. Love getting an opportunity to talk to you. And I got a little gift for you from our friends over at Conoco Phillips. You want to bring a little Texas football into your classrooms? Then sign up for Toro's Math Drills presented by Conoco Phillips. Toro's Math Drills is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. I absolutely 1,000% give the thumbs up to our friends at Phillips and all of our teachers that are using Toros Matros. You bring football to a classroom, especially uh, little boys, but just kids in general, boys, girls, no matter. When you bring something a little different other than, okay, let's do our math tables. If you come in and you say, hey, Mark Ingram ran for five yards on this carry and seven yards on that carry, how much is he averaging – Man, Toros Matros, that's all that is. You bring football to the classroom, I guarantee you watch kids' eyes light up. Light up. HoustonTexas.com slash Toros to learn more. Okay, let's get back to the show. The TGIFF Football Edition of Texans All Access. I am John Harris, football analyst, solid reporter, former teacher, and good friend of somebody who I think would be a whale of a teacher, but she's an even better interviewer, writer, An analyst, and that's my good friend, D.P. Sidhu. We, over the years, have always wanted to get rookies on with us. But previous regime was eh, not all excited about having rookies come on the radio with us. But we asked nicely, and this new regime said, sure, yeah, let's talk to some rookies. So you heard from Davis Mills in the first segment with Drew Doherty. And you hear a little bit more from Davis, a little bit more football-oriented in the final segment. But right now you're going to hear from Roy Lopez who sat down with D.P. Sidhu and they went deep, deep, deep slant style. It's brought to you by Xfinity. D.P., take it away.
5: It's the Deep Slant 101 presented by Xfinity. My guest, Roy Lopez, defensive lineman. He's a rookie. Roy, you started your first NFL game, primetime on Thursday night. What was it like running out of that tunnel in front of the fans at NRG Stadium?
6: Right. It was amazing. You know, just kind of took a deep breath and – it was from the jump you know when they sang the national anthem and kind of stand there and you reflect you know on, on your journey it's like man this is crazy it's actually happening you know but at the same time you know you worked to be in the position you're in you know so I was very blessed and very very humbled to 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 start but at the same time you know the group of guys that I go to practice every day with they make it easy you know and you know they'll, they'll give me tips and everything and, and you know, they make sure that I feel comfortable out there with them, and uh, we play off of each other and try to, you know, and and win that way, you know, so, um, you know, individual success is group success, you know, group success is individual success, so that's a big thing we preach between the four of us, so got to keep it going.
5: Yeah, you've had a lot of opportunities. I know it's a a really talented defensive line group, a a lot of guys in that room, but, you know, you step up, you've been playing more, you've been you obviously got your first start. Lovey Smith says he's been really impressed with what you've been able to do so far. But for you, what do you think has been the toughest part about adjusting to playing in the NFL?
6: Right. I mean, the toughest part is just, you know, it's a, is a job now. You know, so you don't have school, you don't have study hall and all that, to, you know, college. But, you know, so – but also at the same time, that's the best part. You know, you just, you just have to talk football all day. You know, you watch film, you go to meetings, and, and you know, you just get better. You know, and that's the biggest thing is – uh Right now, you know, like you said, you know, being a rookie, that's all you got to do is just get better week after week and, and you know, numbers will come and, and, and everything like that. So, you know, when I reflect on my weeks and and, uh, and watch film, I just want to make sure I get better individually and be able to help my team and the D-line as a whole because at the end of the day, you know, that's my job, you know, to, to just – help the team win.
5: Yeah, you don't have to study for, like, a math test or write a paper <laughs> no. or anything like that. You just go You just go to your meetings and, yeah. and learn about football. Levy said that you're – obviously, you're you're good against the run, but he said that he was impressed with your pass rush, and he said the thing that impressed him was that you could pass rush. So, mm-hmm. he said, not a knock against you, but it's not really something that you were asked to do a lot of in college. So, how have you worked on that aspect of your game? I know it's been early so far.
6: Right, but, you know, a lot, a lot of people don't really – um, no, like my college road and stuff like that. But, you know, I started at New Mexico State, and there I played three technique, and I even played some five technique. You know, that's just DN, you know, and uh, just trying to get one-on-ones and, and, and do pass rush. You know, I always try to tell people I'm good at pass rush. I can pass rush. You know, I'm not just a run stopper. <laughs> so um, I, 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 I've always joked with my coaches, you know, at the collegiate level. Even here, you know, uh, Bobby King, he, we, we still joke about it to this day. And uh, I was like, I can pass us now. I, I can do it, you know. And if you want to see something third down, you know. But uh, you know, he just gives me a smile. I was like, yeah, okay, <laughs> you know. But um, you know, there's, there's, like you said, this, this, uh, this D line core is, is, is very talented. You know, all the way down the line from Malik Collins to Whitney Merciless to Charles Emmanuel, is, is, you know, it's a, around a group of guys that I've never seen. You know be you know be in the same room and uh it's fun to to steal things from them and, and do it in practice and look at them and laugh and smile I'm like yeah I just did your move like it's okay <laughs> but uh, you know I do it and, and we joke about it we laugh and and uh yeah I'm, I'm part of a great group of uh, D-linemen that kind of feeds off of each other
5: you're taking some of their moves but I haven't seen anyone attempt your salsa move because <laughs> uh you busted out that salsa dance in the preseason uh how good of a dancer are you
6: Oh, man. <laughs> is that, is there uh, more? I
5: feel like there's probably more than just the, the few steps that we see out there on the field.
6: <laughs> no, I can dance, but I can't dance nothing, nothing too <laughs> just, much. Oh, uh, my family's going to laugh when they see that one. <laughs> <laughs>
5: it's not like an extent, you're not going to bust out an extended salsa if you ever, like, ran it back for a touchdown or anything like that. We're not going to see something like that. Oh,
6: no, y'all are going to see something totally different. I don't really? know yet. Oh, I don't know. Okay. I got to think about Work that. Work on one, it. But, uh, a touchdown that's a different celebration so. all right
5: you're really talented because i've heard uh you also can throw down in the kitchen you're a pretty good cook <laughs> uh have you had a chance to cook for the d-line men yet
6: i haven't yet but uh, i plan to um, i'm not that great but i do like to cook my family's a big 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 cooking family, uh, we throw down. So I definitely ask them for some some advice on what to cook the D line. But well, I will, I want to cook the I want to cook the D line some dinner. And, well, that's what I was
5: going to ask you. Was yeah. if when you do cook for the D and what's the spread going to look
6: like? It's, it's going to be a, a, like
5: what's a, the menu going to yeah, look like? Yeah, it's going to
6: be a Mexican a Mexican type, you know, dish. And, okay. and It's going to be tacos. It's going to be enchiladas. It's going to be rice and beans and, and some chips and some salsa. You know, so um, you know, be able to have them eat, eat you know, what I eat. And what I can't eat, you know, at the same time. So, you know, during season, you gotta watch what you eat. So, I can't, I can't be eating that stuff too much. But um, definitely gonna have them over, have some uh, some some corn tortillas and, and, and cheese, and, and give them some grease, you know, for 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 the appetite. But
5: well, you you went to school in New Mexico. I've been in New Mexico before. They've got like New Mex, and then in Texas, they've got Tex Mex. Yeah. So how yep. do how do I mean, you're a, you seem like a food connoisseur. How do those two compare? oh it's yeah Mexican food
6: yeah the food is amazing and in, Las Cru- in Las Cruces in Mexico that's where the rest of the state's at but the food is, is,
5: is it's is, really good in New Mexico yeah, yeah I agree it's
6: one of the better parts to go to New Mexico State for the food but uh but nah Houston the Tex-Mex here is, is great you know and you know I've only gone like two times because like I said I gotta watch what I eat when I'm out here especially during the season but you know I've gone to a couple places and it. it you know, blew my expectations away from the jump. You really? Know. So, you mm-hmm. know, I, I grew up in Arizona, so I never really had too much tech specs. But once I came out here, I uh, I experienced it, experienced it and I understood whatever it was talking about. You see about. what the hype is yeah. about.
5: Okay, so one of the things that we know about you, and I know we've talked about it over and over again, is that you're a wrestler, yeah. which um, is kind of a big deal because we've got like four or five wrestlers on this team, which I don't think I ever remember having so many, seeing so many guys that have had wrestling backgrounds. But... I had heard that you used to watch professional wrestling mm-hmm. growing up. So, who was your favorite wrestler and why?
6: Yeah, it was The Rock. You know? Oh, it okay. Was, um, yeah. It was. I mean, that's a favorite though. You know, that's sure. It's a fan favorite. So I always watched him. I watched Rey Mysterio. Okay. All, all, all the big names, you know. But uh, it was definitely The Rock. I had a little TV that had its own VHS system on it <laughs> at the bottom. And so you seem too
5: young for a VHS system.
6: Oh, you, but you know, at the time, you know, we didn't have you know, enough for a flat screen in my room, you know. So we just had a little box TV. (laughs) It was about this high. And at the the bottom, it had a little VHS spot. And I just pop in. It was literally called The Rock. You know, I just popped in a little The Rock video, and, and I'd watch it. I don't know how many times a day, but I had the little action figure. You know, Rock. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh man, my family's gonna laugh when they see this. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Well, okay. But, so,
5: so, so you since you love professional wrestling and you were a wrestler, I feel like, have you ever thought about what your professional wrestling name might be?
6: <laughs> no, I have. You it. must have. I have it, I have it. But what
5: would your character be if you did professional wrestling?
6: Oh man, I don't know. It'd be something, something, uh, something big though. Like you know, kind of like how the Big Show and the Undertaker were. You know, I'd like to, I'd like to take over the scene if I ever were to get in that field. But yeah, definitely not. I probably, yeah, I probably wouldn't be like a tag team. I probably just you want to be your own act, right?
5: Maybe like, I don't know. You <laughs> you do the salsa. You could be like the salsa. Instructor. Like, well, you gotta have a backstory, you know. Like, you could be yeah. like. Like a part-time salsa instructor <laughs> who's looking for revenge. I don't so know what I would walk
6: your out, my walkout would be like a salsa. Type yeah, you like
5: would salsa be. out to the to the ring. Um, you which what you gotta have a finishing move, right? Yeah, you gotta have I'm a signature sure, the fans
6: move. would love it. I'm sure Just, the fans would love it. Yeah,
5: <laughs> I feel like you gotta. I mean, you're like the, the Rock is a triple threat. You're like a triple threat. You got the cooking,
6: <laughs> you've got
5: <laughs> you've got the dancing, you've got playing football. Like you right. got a lot, you got a lot to draw off of.
6: Right. Yeah. Um. My sister and her husband. You know, my brother-in-law are actually very big WWE fans. Okay. So I'm sure they've thought about it. I'm sure they've thought about what sort of finish move I have. So, you know, I can ask them, and I'm sure they'll give me some good ideas. But there's a there's a guy he has long hair, and they always, like, used to joke about me, you know, with my hair and him. I forget his name right now. But, there
5: are yeah. a lot of wrestlers. Well, like back in the day when it was WWF, there were a lot of wrestlers with right. long hair. Right. I feel like you got the whole look going on. This yeah. is something <laughs> – Roy, I'm going to be disappointed if you don't come up with a nickname – a backstory and a finishing move for yourself <laughs> at some point in your career because this, it's you just you fit the bill really well. All right, so is this r- giving you any ideas for potential celebrations?
6: Oh man, for a touchdown!
5: Yeah, I feel like we've done the salsa, we've talked about cooking, we talked yeah, about wrestling.
6: Yeah, it, the thing is, if I score a touchdown, it'll definitely be a group celebration, right? It's not just gonna be an individual because I like you know when you Unlike see on TV. Unlike your wrestling career, right? Which, okay. When you see on TV, you know in and the whole defense gets in a line and they start doing something or they'll do like a bowling skit or something. (laughs) Those are the funniest ones. Those are really funny. You know, so that's definitely something, you know, I would try to do, you know, if a touchdown's in my future, um, I would like to get everybody incorporated that way. It's funny. You know, we can record it. I'll keep it, you know, forever and be able to look at it and laugh and everybody look back on it and laugh. And, uh, hopefully make like the team highlight tape and all that stuff.
5: Oh, I think for sure it will. All right. What about for you for the rest of the year? What, what are some of the things that you want to work on to really get better here in your rookie year?
6: Right. You know, it goes back to just being better every week. I just want to improve every week, whether it's stopping the run, rushing the passer, you know, holding a bag, you know, that's all, that's all I want to do. I want to keep improving that way. You know, when I go to bed at night and, and, you know, I can be happy with, you know, look myself in the mirror and say, you know, I improved and uh, whether it's watching film and, and, and you know talking to the vets and, and you know sometimes i might ask too many questions because i'm just in their ear you know i just want to know and uh you know i talked to uh, jacob martin a lot i talked to malik collins a lot talked to vincent taylor a lot you know and i just try to learn you know because they've been in it you know the average time in the nfl i think it's three years you know so and all these guys are past three years so they're doing something right you know so it's good to ask questions and, and learn from them and uh you know, just kind of pick their brains and just keep growing. So that way, you know, when I'm in their shoes five, six, seven years down the line, hopefully, you know, if God blesses me to play that long, you know, I'll be able to tell the rookies, you know, I was in your shoes. You know, I can answer your questions, you know. So that's what I look forward to.
5: Well, we're looking forward to seeing more of you this season, Roy. Always a pleasure.
6: Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. I appreciate you.
0: I absolutely love seeing what Roy has been doing on the field. He played a lot of that game, started that game against Carolina, and look forward to going against that guard center guard interior for the Buffalo Bills that will be without starting guard John Feliciano, who had a concussion more than likely in practice and is out for this game against Lopez and the Texans defensive line. All right, we get back. We got to start our keys to the game. So we're going to talk about the Texans' offense in our next segment what do they got to do to go get a W and then we'll kick off the second hour with our defensive keys to the game sound like a fair deal? Oh uh, yeah I know let's do that next right here on Texans All Access right here on Texans All Access right here on Texans welcome back to this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio I am John Harris glad to be with you and it's time for our keys to the game on both sides of the ball and we're going to split this up just based on the timing of the show and what we got going on here, we're going to talk about the Texans' offense a little bit in this segment and then really get into uh, the other side, what the Texans have got to be able to do on the defensive side. I think that ends up being I know, either one. Look, both of them are key. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I don't know. There's something about the challenge the defense is facing that we probably need to spend a little bit more time talking about them, and we will do that. But we're going to start with the Texans' offense taking on this Bills defense. So, let's get my music. (laughs) Boom. There it is. Let's go. All right. This Bills defense. Oh, boy. They give up 75 yards per game on the ground. That's seventh in the NFL. Last week, the Panthers gave up 46.5. I think the Texans were like 47-48. It needed to be more. Either way, 75 yards per game given up on the ground. Through the air, may have given up 178 yards per game. That's fourth total. Oh, boy. They've given up 252.7 yards per game. That's Fourth in the NFL. They're plus three in turnover margin, generating three interceptions, three fumbles, and only giving it back to the other team three times. So six turnovers generated, three they've given up. So plus three in turnover margin. Now, it's a team with Pro Bowlers, Tremaine Edmonds, Pro Bowler, Tredavious White, Pro Bowlers, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, and then tremendously, I think Jerry Hughes made a Pro Bowl at 1.2. This group has been together. As I look at the starting lineup, projected starting lineup, because Jordan Poyer is going to be out of this game. As I look at that, probably it will be Saran Neal, but we'll see uh, when they roll out their their first 11 during pregame. But no Jordan Poyer. It's a group that of 11 guys that start, presumably are going to start. They've all been together. They've been together, I mean, dating back to – I mean, Edmonds was drafted in 2018. I think that was when Edmonds was added. I think Levi Wallace was added in 2018. And then the rest of them came 2017 or before. So this group has been together, except for one guy, and that's Greg Rousseau. And he is a very interesting piece, and we're going to get to this, uh, get to him in just a second. Other guys keep an eye on. This Ed Russian crew is pretty darn good. AJ Epinesa, second-year guy to Iowa. Mario Addison is also another guy to watch on the edge. He can be with those four with Rousseau, Jerry Hughes, Epinesa, and Mario Addison. Those four can get to the quarterback from the edge. They play, for the most part, 4-3 style, that four down. They can do a little bit with Russo, um, and they kind of move him around a little bit. So uh, things to keep an eye on uh, with this Bills defense. Now, we'll get to the first key and then we'll keep it going on the defensive side against Josh Allen and this offense. And I think this might be not only one of the more important keys, but if – I know a lot of you out there are Texans fans, and so you want to see the Texans do well. Some of you are just driving around listening to the show because you like me, and I thank you for that. But you really don't have a stake in the game. You just want to see good football, and you like watching good matchups. And one of the best matchups in this game – will be Tredavious White against Brandy Cooks. Now, one of the things about Brandon that we know, having watched the first three games we watched them all of last year, is that Brandon moves around. They'll put him in different spots. They'll line him up in the backfield. They'll line him up in the slot. They'll put him out wide. They'll leave him as the the lone X on a three-by-one. He'll be the, the one on their side. Tredavious White's interesting because he's not typically been a guy that travels for the most part. Now, you'll see him move sides depending on whether the Bills are playing corners over, corners over zone, corners, corners over man, where you've got two receivers to a side. You might bring the corner from the other side to play that if there's a tight end on the backside, and you'll let safety play on that. So there are different things you can do. But typically, Jadavious White doesn't travel. So if that's the case, if he's not going to travel and stick right to Brandon Cooks everywhere he goes, then, yeah, keep moving Cooks figure out where White is going to be, and then keep Cooks away from him. Now, Brandon can handle his own. Don't get me wrong. However, if you can limit Tredavious White's impact because he's covering a receiver or a tight end or somebody that you're not going to throw the ball to as much as you would Brandon Cooks, well, then that works in your favor. But if Tredavious White travels, oh, boy, that's going to be a fun matchup. Tredavious White taking on Brandon Cooks. Okay, that's going to end our first hour. To come back, i got plenty more keys For the Texans offense to hit on, but I got plenty more keys. The Texans defense, oh boy, have got to hit on against league MVP candidate Josh Allen. We'll do that next right here on Texans All Access. As we kick off the second hour of our show, I want to ask you a question, Texans fans. Can you hear it? Can you feel it right now? It's all around you. It's the air we share as the world's number one air conditioning company. Daikin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. Where we work, where we play, where we grow. It's all part of Daikin's mission to perfect the air we share. And you can learn all about it by visiting daikinloveshouston.com. That's daikinloveshouston.com. As one of Houston's largest employers, Daikin is doing big things for your fellow Texans. Check out their outstanding limited warranties and financing options at your dealer today. Remember, visit DaikinLovesHouston.com. And who doesn't love Houston, man? Come on. Who doesn't love Houston? We all love Houston. Do we not? Well, okay. Maybe we love Houston because we're Houstonians. I don't know if... Buffalonians, Buffalo natives—I don't know the right way of saying it. Uh, like Houstonians, they're not Buffaloians. I don't know either way. I know they loved their trip to Houston, other than the football game uh, back in January of 2020. But they weren't real happy with Houston, especially the second half and overtime of that 1916 win. However, Buffalo has had uh, the more success, especially in 2020, and they've had a lot of success on the defensive side of the ball. So, how does that pertain to the Texans' offense? I mentioned my first key to the game in our previous segment, and that was Tredavious White potentially going against Brandon Cooks and whether Tredavious White was going to travel with Brandon Cooks kind of in pocket, Darrell Revis-like. Now, over the years, and having watched DeAndre Hopkins and a lot of these good corners, it's interesting the ones that do and the ones that don't. In the games that uh, 18 and in 2018, in the playoff game, White did not travel with hop. So I don't know if he's going to end up traveling with Brandon Cooks and if he's not throwing the ball all day. So that's one key: Will the goalie travel? and the goalie being Tradvius White? Now, one other guy that I mentioned in our previous segment. That was Greg Rousseau. He's a rookie, where's number 50. And he didn't play in 2020 at the University of Miami because he opted out due to COVID. So he basically played one year of college football. And then he cleared for the draft, sat out because of COVID, and then went number 30 in a draft. And I thought, okay, he's got some athleticism, but is he going to be ready to go? Ready? Oh, yes. Oh, he's ready to go. And the Bills use him in a number of different ways. He'll line up out wide, stand up, three, four outside linebacker, rush the edge. He'll be a four, three, hand in the dirt, play the run. He'll even go inside and rush from the inside. He'll drop and be a spy. He is always involved he might end up being one of the better rookies to come out of this group. Keep an eye on number 50, Greg Russo, uh, and he is very difficult to game plan for. Number three key is the criminally underrated Matt Milano. In fact, we're talking talk about the Bills, right? Have I mentioned Milano's name? No, probably not, and that, that's a shame because I'm a huge fan of Matt Milano. In fact, when Milano was a free agent Uh, I think heading into the 2020 season, I think he was, he was an unrestricted free agent. And it looked like he was going somewhere. He was going to go and play somewhere. I mean, obviously, he's going to play somewhere. But it was not going to be in Buffalo. He he was going to leave Buffalo. It just seemed. And then, kind of last minute, before you know it, my man Sal Capaccio breaking the news. Milano's going back uh, with a big contract to stay with the Buffalo Bills. And I think... Milano makes that defense whole. He is the guy who kind of fills in all the, the gaps, if you will. He keeps everything together. There are a ton of talented dudes, and Milano is talented, but he's so smart and he's so steady. He's the perfect complement to Tremaine Edmonds. He keeps everything together, whereas Edmonds' athleticism sometimes gets him out of position, gets him over aggressive. Milano's speed, quickness, and smarts get him to the ball, and they play well off of one another. Milano's a big key because of all he can do. He can drop, he can rush. Um, you know, Heck, in that playoff game, he was the one who caromed off uh, Deshaun Watson because he was blitzing from the outside. Uh, he just wasn't able to make a tackle. Milano can be a problem because of how steady he is. And to me, he's a lot like Christian Kirksey. We'll get to Kirksey in a little bit. But criminally underrated is Matt Milano, number 58. He can be an issue. Number four, well, this one now becomes best safety in the league. Now, I don't think that Micah Hyde is the best safety in the league. But I do think, and I did think, that Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer were the best safety duo in the league. However, as I mentioned earlier... Jordan Poyer will be out of this one dealing with an ankle. That more than likely means it'll be Saran Neal who will line up next to Micah Hyde. That takes that safety duo down a bit. Now, Neal is one heck of an athlete. He also was on the other side of that car crash in a playoff game with Milano not making the tackle on Watson. So Neal has seen the field before. He's done different things before. He's had to step in in different places before. But Hyde and Poyer play so well off of one another, sort of like Milano and Edmonds do in a linebacking core that without Poyer, it's a problem. So it was a key for me heading in because the Texans had to figure out how they could utilize shifts, motions, different personnel groups to try and catch Poyer and Hoyd slipping. Hyde slipping. And that wasn't gonna be easy. But now that Poyer's out it becomes even more important to find something that the opposite safety gets in trouble doing. Like, they screw something up. Oh, man, they weren't supposed to be in this particular uh, set. And you got Saran Neal on a wide receiver when that would have been Jordan Poyer on a wide receiver. And Poyer's a former college corner who could handle it. Neal, not quite that, even though he has played corner in his life. So Saran Neal and Micah Hyde, not the best safety duo in the league like Poyer and Hyde are. So how do you take advantage of that? That's going to be O.C. Tim Kelly's charge on Sunday. And last and certainly not least, now this one is more about us. And we like talking about us. But the guest we had in our first segment was a man by the name of Davis Mills. I think you've heard of him. He's a Texas quarterback. He will start against the Bills. And just like I said against Carolina, because that was the number one defense in the league. This is, uh, oh boy. By ranking, it's number four. But I think it's in the top three overall. Stats, everything else. It's between continuity, experience, athleticism, um, everything you want in a defense this Buffalo Bills group has. The one thing it won't do entirely is what Phil Snow did with Carolina, and that's bring a bunch of different complex blitzes and not understanding which guy they're supposed to block getting free runners at Davis Mills. But Buffalo can make things thorny because of the guys they have on that side of the ball, especially rushing the quarterback. So it's imperative that the Texans get Davis Mills comfortable and get him comfortable early, get him to try and find a little bit of a groove. I think he found that in the game against Carolina, especially late in the second quarter on that drive. It took a little bit of two-minute kind of work to kind of, I don't want to say take out the thinking, but kind of take out the thinking, if you will. they got to find that comfortability sooner. And I think that was a big thing David Culley talked about this week, Tim Kelly talked about this week, and that's allowing Davis to do a little bit more, kind of opening things up. Coach Culley has experience in, in, in Buffalo, of a quarterback, a rookie quarterback, that was probably handed a little bit too much on his plate that he was not able to do anything with. And you remember him, Nathan Peterman, because in his second year, Peterman came to Houston and threw a game-winning pick, six, to Jonathan Joseph. Well, Peterman is a rookie in 2017. They decided to put him in a lineup over Tyrod Taylor, and Peterman threw four interceptions in the first half. Taylor came back in, led the Bills to the playoffs at that particular time. So... From that perspective, Peterman never got comfortable, and Coach Kelly knows that. And so he doesn't want to put too much on him, but I think to get Davis comfortable, he might need a few more things that he can find guys uh, down the field, find them uh, at all levels of the defense. So getting Davis most comfortable is our final key on that side of the ball. All right, let's get to the other side of the ball, that being the Bills offense and the Texans defense. It's a Bills offense at 7th in the league in rushing yards per game 127.3 They're 11th throwing the ball at 261.3 total offense 388.7 that's fourth in the league they've only lost three turnovers so I guess one per game it'd be nice to get one against these guys but I think the main thing as you look at the numbers the first two weeks they didn't pop off the table I mean there were a lot of questions Um, Even though Buffalo beat Miami 35 to nothing, there was this sort of, yeah, we beat Miami 35 to nothing, but the offense really didn't get going. Well, um, last week against the Washington football team, the offense got going. Josh Allen found his groove. He was shucking and jiving and doing his thing, and the Washington football team had no answers. And the Washington football team is supposed to have one of the better defenses in the league, even though they have not played up to that standard at all. Blowing coverages, uh, wrong assignments throughout the game. I mean, it was they. The Washington football team was its worst own worst enemy. That said, Buffalo created a lot of that in large part because of the Pro Bowlers slinging the rock, and that's Josh Allen. Devin Singletary has not. Uh, what's the way of saying this? He's a threat. He's not a Derrick Henry type threat, but he's a threat running. Catch the ball to the backfield. You get Devin Singletary in space. He's going to make you miss. Emmanuel Sanders added to Stefan Diggs was maybe one of the more underrated signings of the offseason. Those guys create many, many issues. Feliciano will not start at guard, so we'll see how they go about that uh, on an offensive line. That I think is good, not great, but Josh Allen helps to make them look a little bit better with the way that he can escape out of the pocket. So let's get to our keys and start with that. Quarterback, Josh Allen, 6'6", 240. And the one thing about Josh Allen, and this is probably true about Michael Vick. Uh, It's probably true about Lamar Jackson. And I think it's close to being true about Josh Allen. And that is, these guys are the best ball carriers on their team. Stephon Diggs, Devin Singletary, Manuel Sanders, all very, very good in what they do. Josh Allen with the ball in his hands running scares me more than any of those guys. Getting out of the pocket, designed runs, he can do everything. And because he's 6'6", 240, he's so incredibly difficult to bring down. My God, he's hard to bring down. So from that perspective, what do you got to do to get him down? Well, you're going to need more than one guy, and you're going to need more than one guy a lot. Last week against Carolina, the One of the biggest plays of the game. You had two guys hit Sam Darnold, who's 6'3", 220. And he broke out of it for a four-yard game. Then got hit late. 15-yard penalty. Got him first down. Got him out of jail, basically. And they went on to score to make it 14-6, and that was ballgame. Josh Allen could do that and then some. So, corralling him in the well, trying to keep him from escaping the well, making him throw everything from the well. He's going to hurt you one way or the other. Which way is worse you want to punch in the stomach or a punch in the face which one can you survive that's what the texans have to decide number two i mentioned devin singletary in 2019 we saw him in the playoff game he was outstanding in 2020 he fell off that run game was i don't want to say non-existent but they didn't go to it as much i don't think brian dable offense coordinator trusted it they're back to trusting it not fully but I think they're back to trusting Devin Singletary because not only will they give him the rock running, but they also will throw a 2 in space. And he becomes a huge, massive problem when he's got the ball in space. He's as quick with that kind of dead leg as anybody. I mean, he is LaShawn McCoy version 2.0. Devin Singletary is a problem, and he is definitely back. Number three, it's arguably one of the top three receivers in the league, and that's Stephon Diggs. Now, he's got some help with Emmanuel Sanders, but when this thing gets tight, if it gets tight, Josh Allen's throwing a ball number 14. That's Stephon Diggs. He gets open in a phone booth. He beats you at all three levels in the passing game. Uh, He's electric with the ball in his hands. He's physical. He's everything you want in a wide receiver. And he has really rounded that Bills offense into shape. When he came on board in 2020, that's when Josh Allen went to a different level. Diggs went to another level, uh, and they're very difficult to stop. Stephon Diggs, how to account for him is going to be a challenge, but also finding him. Where does he line up? It's kind of like Brandy Cooks. Where does he line up? Where does he go during the play? Where does he end up after the snap? You got to know all those things. Number 14, Stefan Diggs. Now, fourth key. I just called it, he's alone. And what I mean by that is the pass protection. Pass protection without John Feliciano. If you can get to a point where the Texans are rushing for and guys are winning one-on-one matchups because they're not providing help to those Bills offensive linemen, that's going to be a situation in which the Texans have success. They can win one-on-one matchups up front. Now, I don't know blitzing a bunch does too much with Josh Allen, but if you've got two guys on a play beating their guy one-on-one because they're not getting help from backs and tight ends, then those guys can get to Josh Allen, or hopefully two guys can bring Josh Allen down. But you've got to have guys winning one-on-one matchups when offensive linemen are alone trying to block against the four rushing for the Texans. And last and certainly not least is a guy that was drafted 10 picks, 9, 10 picks, 9, nine 10 picks, I think he's made 10 picks, after the Texans drafted a tight end in 2019, the Bills drafted a tight end in 2019, by the name of Dawson Knox. From Ole Miss. And he didn't do a lot in the in the passing game at Ole Miss. He was really kind of used to be more of a blocking type. I think had he been at Ole Miss when Lake Kiffin was there, Dawson Knox would have probably ended up going to the first round. He is Uber talented. He has got great receiving skills. He will strike you as a as a run blocker, but he's scarier to me as a pass receiver. And the thing is, you got so much to account for. Diggs, Sanders, even Gabe Davis, a bigger receiver. How do you account for Dawson Knox? Because if you try to account for him with a linebacker, you're going to lose and lose badly. And he's beating corners. He's beating safeties. He has a very tough matchup, and he is wildly underrated as a tight end in this league. Dawson Knox caught a touchdown last week against the Washington football team. He He is a guy that creates a bunch of issues. So after you've taken care of Allen and Singletary and Diggs and Sanders and gotten past Rush Heat, oh, yeah, by the way, they got this guy, Dawson Knox, a tight end that can win in a lot of different areas in the field too. Whoo, that's a mouthful, my goodness. All right, when we get back, the Bills Texans are not the only game in the NFL. There are many others. I will pick them all straight up and against the spread next, right here on Texans All Access. Here on Texans All Access. Here on Texans All Access. Hey, hey! Welcome back to this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Under Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and one last night game. Awesome! I, I it was. It was one game, and I haven't had a chance too much I guess because Sunday I spent watching the red zone then obviously our games so I watched our games up close uh, and there were some really good things and then some things not so good in those games but I don't know that I've had a chance to kind of sit down from beginning to end and watch a game like I did the one Thursday night with Jacksonville going to Cincinnati what a fun ball game and it ended perfectly, with Jacksonville losing, which is fantastic. Now, I hate to see it for Trevor Lawrence, because I, I, I'll be honest, I I like Trevor Lawrence. I like everything he stands for. I think he's a great, great dude. I think he's going to be great in Duval County. Uh, that's a place that means a lot to me, even though I want to beat them twice a year. Other times, I want to see them do well, kind of, but I want to see Trevor do well. I like him, I, and I thought he played very, very well in that first half, but Cincinnati came with that goal-line stand. Then you had... Joe Burrow going nuts in the second half. And it's funny because Joe Burrow, be it 24 years old, maybe, 23, 24 years old, whatever it is, had the same exact thought that I did. If you go back, and I know you won't, um, because I don't think you can, but I know what my pregame hit was for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I talked about Joe Cullen, the defensive coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars, I knew when push came to shove, because of the time he spent in Baltimore, he was going to bring a lot of blitz. Well, the game-winning play, essentially, was a screen that Joe Burrow, knowing full well, having played the Ravens before, knew a blitz look was coming, knew blitz was coming, and he had the perfect play call, and it was. C.J. Uzoma had a great game for Cincinnati, and Burrow made that call because he knew Joe Cullen was a former Ravens assistant and knew – the blitz was going to be a part of that package, and it was. Now, I bring up last night's game because I I would have given you the Bengals as the winner. I don't know what the spread was, though. I'm not sure what the spread was. But I know I would have given you the Bengals as a winner. And I probably would have given you Bengals to cover, which my guess is they didn't. My guess is that it was probably Bengals 5 or 6. Uh, and with a three-point game, uh, they didn't cover. So the Jags get a cover there. So I would have been one for one but there're more games on Sunday. So, let's do it. I get pumped for this segment. I get pumped. I I will hype myself up in between segments knowing that it's prediction time. Because I love it cuz it's a chance to go around the NFL and talk about the league, but then I put, you know, you know what on the line whether I'm right and I'm wrong. I love that competition. I absolutely that's to me it's a competition. So, let's start the competition, but I need my music. And there it is. And let's go to it. And We're going to start in Atlanta where the Falcons got a win last week. On the road, they return home to take on the Washington football team. A team sort of reeling. Lost the opener to the Chargers. Close. Then they beat the Giants on a last-second field goal but gave up a lot of points to Daniel Jones and the Giants. You started to see some cracks in defensive armor. And then last week, Josh Allen just split it wide open. I... I think the Washington football team starts to repair those cracks this week. Washington is favored by a point and a half on the road. I'm gonna take Washington to get that win on the road. One and a half, and eh, it's not quite a pick 'em, but close enough. So I think Washington will cover. They win this thing by three. I'm going 27-24. That defense is gonna make a play in the second half to start it going in the right direction, but they got to get their act together. The front does some good things. The secondary blows an assignment. Secondary's blowing a lot of assignments. Washington's got to get it together, but I think they'll start with a win over Arthur Smith's Falcons. As the Redskins, excuse me, uh, find me. Come on. Dang it. Washington football team moved to 2-2, two and two, and the Falcons will fall to 1-3. and three. Texans and Bills, you know I don't pick that one, but spread is up to 17. Yikes. Well, you know what? Why even show up, huh? Why even show up? Either way, but we are. Let's go to Chicago. Or is it going to be Arlington Heights in the near future? A lot of noise coming out of Chicago with this one, but apparently the Bears bought some property um, up in Arlington Heights. I think that's north of the city. I don't know much about Chicago. It's one of the big cities I don't know much much about. The Lions are one and two. No one knows who the starter is going to be. The intrigue for the Bears starter is just, oh, you can't live with yourself. Oh, come on, give me a break. Who cares who's going to start? Your pass protection better be better. Your scheme had better be better. Matt Nagy is a play caller, coach. Uh, I think Bill Lazer's maybe calling the plays now. All of it's got to be better in Chicago. All of it. And you're taking on a Lions team that showed me a lot last week. 0-2, taking on Baltimore at home, had them by the Canadians, and then Justin Tucker with a 66-yard field goal beat them. The Lions should have won that game. They look great for a half against the Packers. They look great for a half against the Niners. They look great for 59 minutes and 57 seconds against the uh, Ravens and could not come up with the win. But you know what? I'm going with the Lions to win this week. I think there's more there for the Lions. The Bears are favored by three, which Vegas thinks they're even. So I'm going to go with the Lions on the road. I think the Lions get the first win for Dan Campbell in Chicago, and years from now they'll get that in Arlington Heights. Lions win. Lions get the cover on the road. Panthers The Cowboys. Ooh, baby. Panthers coming back to Texas for the second consecutive game. We know the Panthers are 3-0. The Cowboys are 2-1 and and playing very, very good football. Dallas is favored by 4.5. I'm going with the Cowboys in this one. I think the Cowboys have found a few things defensively. Number one, they put Micah Parsons out on the edge. That has been huge. So you got Micah Parsons out there playing with Vander Esch, Jalen Smith, and everything they got going defensively. I like that. Offense is rolling. For Dallas. Rolling. They just destroyed Philadelphia. I mean, in all facets on Monday night. I think Dallas does it again. Dallas gets the win and covers the four and a half. They make life miserable for Sam Darnold. Christian McCaffrey is out of this one. So we're going Cowboys with Dak getting to three and one and increasing that margin in the NFC East at this rate. They'll have that thing won by the middle of November. Okay. Okay. Let's go to the AFC. Let's go down to Miami. Where the Dolphins are taking on the 0-3 Colts. An 0-3 Colts team that will be without its best player, Quentin Nelson. That offensive line has been banged up. The Colts haven't played well. Carson Wentz's ankles are seemingly made out of paper mache. The Dolphins played gutty. They were gritty. They played hard in that game to, to Las Vegas. Jacoby Brissett did all he could. I mean, he scored when they needed to score all throughout that game, basically. But the Raiders just made one play more, and that was the Brian Edwards catch. I don't know that the Colts can make that play. So believe it or not, I'm sending the Colts to 0-4. And the Dolphins are favored by two here. And I think that's about right. This feels like a two, three-point game. I'm going with Miami to win and cover with Brissett rolling over the Colts. And I believe Brissett is going to start. So I'm going with Jacoby Brissett to beat his former team, the Indianapolis Colts. Colts fall to 0-4. It should be awesome because the Jags are already 0-4. That would be sweet. So Dolphins win, move to 2-2, and and cover that two-point spread. I think this next game might be one of the sneaky hot games of the week. In fact, I think it might be the sneakily hottest game of the week. And that features a team we faced a couple weeks ago, the Cleveland Browns going to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. Now, Dalvin Cook is listed as questionable for this game against the Browns. That's not great news, but it's not horrible news because last week he was out as the Vikings got a great win against the Seattle Seahawks. Now, with the Browns coming in, the Browns are a step above, if you will, the Seattle Seahawks. The Browns are playing very, very well. They got OBJ back. That helped that offense a little bit. But again, that offense is Hunt and Chubb, Chubb and Hunt. And I don't know that the Vikings can handle that, although I think the Vikings are playing much, much better. Look, the Vikings lost... um, Excuse me. Vikings lost? No, the Vikings... Yeah, the Vikings lost the Bengals in the opener in overtime. But then they got a win last week where they trounced the Seahawks. I think the Vikings... They can't do it, can they? No. I'm going with Browns. Browns are favored by two. I think the Browns are just that much better than the Seahawks. The Browns are that much better than the Bengals. And the Browns are that much better than the Vikings, who they play. So I'm going with the Browns to win on the road, go 3-1, and one, and cover that two-point spread. All right, let's go down to the Big Easy, where the Saints are back. And, man, that is such good news. The Saints are back. Hurricane went through there uh, probably about, what, six weeks ago now? Uh, Was that about about six – maybe about a month ago, I guess. Uh, Four or five weeks. Either way, hurricane gone. The Saints, no pun intended, weathered the football storm. Going to Jacksonville to play the Packers, won that game. Went to Carolina, got thumped. Went to New England, turned over Mac Jones three times, picked six, Malcolm Jenkins. They kind of found a little bit there against the Patriots. I don't know if offensively I trust the Saints, but I'll tell you who I do not trust, and that's the New York Giants. Don't trust them at all. Blew that game late to the Redskins, dropped a pass in the end zone. They blew the one last week to the Atlanta Falcons. I don't trust them. I think the Saints playing in the Superdome for the first time all year. They'll be playing with some juice. New Orleans is favored by 7. They win this by 10, 31-21. Saints win. Saints move to 3-1. and one. I don't know if the Saints are what they were in the past with Drew Brees at quarterback, but they're pretty physical. Their defense plays very, very well together. I think the Saints will win this and cover that 7-point spread. All right. Stick with our noon games and go to New Jersey, where the New York Jets are waiting for AFC South leading Tennessee. Tennessee will have neither A.J. Brown or Julio Jones against the Jets. Yet, does that matter? No, I don't think so. I think Tennessee, one of the reasons I think both of them are not playing is because it is the New York Jets. Zach Wilson has struggled Struggled last week mightily against Denver. All the different packages that Fangio and his defense threw at him. The Titans won't throw as much at him. So I do think that Wilson will play a little bit better in this one. But it won't be enough. The Jets won't stop Derrick Henry. He rolls. Tannehill throws a couple tutties to Nick Westbrook-Ekine and Chester Rogers. Give the Titans the dub and the cover of the six on Zen Road. All right. In the Andy Reid special in Philadelphia, the Chiefs travel to take on the Eagles. Eagles got that first win of the year down in Atlanta. You thought, huh, maybe there's something here. Then a loss to the Niners. And then a drubbing on Monday Night Football to the Dallas Cowboys. And the Eagles are one and two. And Kansas City comes to town as a seven-point favorite on the road coming off a loss to the Chargers. Now Josh Gordon was added to the Kansas City Chiefs practice squad. He probably won't play. He will eventually, but I don't think it matters. I don't know that Philadelphia can fully and completely stop Kansas City. The only team that can stop Kansas City is Kansas City, and that's what Kansas City has been doing is stopping Kansas City. It won't this week. Kansas City's going to win this thing. Let's go 29-13. That's more than seven. KC with the win. KC with the cover. Andy Reid. The former conquering hero comes back to Philly to get a win over the Eagles. Let's go to the afternoon games where the Arizona Cardinals are taking on the L.A. Rams. Boy, some of these afternoon games are awesome. The Cardinals taking on the Rams in L.A., SoFi Stadium. It's a great game. Kyler Murray against Aaron Donald. Except last year when this game was played, it was Aaron Stravler against John Wolford. This one will be Kyler Murray against Matt Stafford. This is all kinds of fun. Now, I want to make sure I say this right because I do think Arizona's a good football team. I don't think Arizona is a great football team. Arizona has looked good at times, but not at all times. Jacksonville kicked them in the teeth in the first half. Yeah, they responded and came back in the second half. I don't think Arizona can go take on the Rams and beat them in SoFi. I think the Rams coming off that Bucks win are sky high. I think they roll with the momentum. They don't get bogged down with all the hype. Rams win more than four. So the Rams with a win and cover over the Cardinals. The other NFC West battle, the Seahawks go to take on the Niners. This is a must-win for the Seahawks. Yes, it's early in the season, and I just went hot take artist. But the Seahawks are one and two. Cardinals, Rams. One of them will be three and one. One will be four and zero. Oh. If the 49ers win, they'll be three and one. And the Seahawks would fall to 1-3. and three. Early in the season, that might be too big a gap to come back from with those stalwarts uh, in front of them. I think in an upset, San Francisco gets beat by the Seattle Seahawks. San Francisco's favored by three, so Vegas thinks they're pretty similar. The Seahawks are going to go to San Francisco, and they're going to get a massive upset because they absolutely without question need it. So give the Seahawks a win to get to 2-2. Two and two. The 49ers will fall to 2-2. Two and two and the Seahawks will just stay close enough to stay in that race throughout the season. Ravens go to the Broncos. What I love about this one is that's a long trip for Baltimore. You're playing in altitude. It's a pick 'em. It's a pick 'em Vegas thinks these two teams actually aren't even even. They think the Ravens are better because you get 3 points at home. Well, they think the Ravens are three points better than the Broncos. So, straight up, Ravens v. Broncos. I think this is when the Broncos season takes a little bit of a turn and the Ravens go there and beat Denver. I sort of hate it. I like Teddy Bridgewater. I'd like to see TB5 do well, but I think Lamar Jackson keeps rolling. I think when they when you have a win like the one they had against the Lions, they didn't play well, and you think it's just dead in the water – and then you somehow steal a, a victory from the jaws of defeat. That's the sort of thing that kind of can get you going. And I think it does for the Ravens. I think the Ravens straight up, because that's the spread, straight up win this, beat the Broncos in Denver, and get a little bit of a roll. Afternoon game in Green Bay. This one doesn't have, happen much. The Steelers taking on the Packers. Go, Pack, go. Packers favored by 6.5. Ben Roethlisberger was, was a mess last week a mess against the Bengals Bengals now 3-1 good for them he was a mess now throughout the years we have seen Ben turn into a mess at various times in the season I remember 2014 everybody thought Ben was dead and then after an offside penalty against us on a Monday night he all of a sudden flipped the switch and became Ben Roethlisberger Pro Bowl quarterback We've seen it at other points during the year where Ben looks awful and then all of a sudden he throws for 450 yards. Unfortunately, I think this one is father time related. It's offensive line related because that line's not as good. It's having really some banged up weapons. Chase Claypool apparently was not at practice today, so he may not play. There's not enough around Ben to save him. There's no Antonio Brown Le'Veon Bell to carry him. There's uh, There's no Pouncey up front to carry him. This is going to be Packers big. Packers win this by a couple touchdowns. We're going 20, sorry, 31-17. Pack wins. Pack covers a six and a half. And then Sunday night, how could you miss this one? Bucks taking on Patriots. Tom Brady returns to Foxborough after losing last week to the Rams. There's been a lot of noise in New England this week, and a lot of it had to do with Brady. But not a lot had to do with Brady Taking on the Patriots. It more or less had to do with Seth Wickersham's book that's coming out that has to deal with Kraft, Brady, Belichick. That's going to be a great read. I can't wait for that to come out. The Bucs are favored by seven. The Patriots throwing Mac Jones out there. Ooh, man. I kind of hope he plays well. Lulls them into a false sense of security. They come in here week five and the Texans jump all over them. But they got to take care of business, and I don't think they will. Bucks win. The seven points is right at it. But I'm going to go with the Bucs to cover that. Let's say they win by 10, 31-21, or eh, maybe a little less. Maybe 30, uh, 24-14. How about that? Bucks win. And then Monday night's game. Holy smokes. Monday night's game is awesome. In SoFi. How about the game SoFi has this week? SoFi's got Sunday afternoon cards, Rams 3-0, 3-0. And then Monday night... The Raiders, 3 0, come calling to take on the Chargers and Justin Herbert. Chargers coming off that Chiefs win. Chargers are favored by three. I think the Chargers get that win, coming back home, playing in front of their fans. Big one in SoFi on a Monday night. Have we seen that? Have we seen SoFi on a Monday night filled? Maybe we have. I, I don't. Maybe we saw it on a Sunday night. I know that. But Monday night, bring on the Raiders. Raiders v. Chargers. That's a fun one. Justin Herbert gets it done. They win that thing by seven. We'll go 31-24 with a victory for the Chargers. All right, we get back. We got a little bit of Davis Mills with Drew Doherty. It's our final word. It's next on Texans All Access. On Texans All Access. On Texans All Access. We've got one final segment of this Friday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, Sean Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. We have heard from David Culley. We have heard from Roy Lopez. We have heard from D.P. Sidhu. We've heard from me doing my keys and predictions. We even heard from Davis Mills earlier in the show. But that was a Drew's dozen. That is pretty much like everything not football. So it gives us an opportunity to meet Davis Mills. Well, let's talk football with the young man. Each and every Friday, I give the final word of our two-hour show to my man, Drew Doherty, as he sits down with a player and this week, it is the aforementioned rookie quarterback, Davis Mills. Drew, take it away.
3: Davis, good to talk with you. You had a little bit of time off. You played a half in relief. You started a game with three halves worth of experience as a starter. How much more confidence do you have going into this game against Buffalo?
4: I mean, I've always tried to pride myself in being a confident person. So, I mean, I don't know if there's any more going into this upcoming game. I think... Just the extra pra- practice reps that I'll be able to get this week will allow me to go in just with a really good feel of what we're, what we're planning on running this week and how we're going to attack these guys.
3: That confidence has been noticeable throughout your time in Houston since you got here in May. Has it always been that way? Were you like that as a little kid? Did it grow over time? Where, where do you get this from?
4: I think so. I think it was one of those things growing up. I always had the mindset that... I mean, I was ready to go out there and play to my best, and growing up, it always worked out really well. So, just been a confident person, ready to take on whatever was next.
3: And, you know, David Culley earlier in the week and throughout the week has said there's going to be more on Davis Mills just simply because of time, simply because of experience. How much do you embrace that?
4: I mean, I'm excited for it. I don't know if we were really closed off from last week, but... I mean, whatever they're comfortable throwing at me, I'm, I'm ready for it. Yeah, tell me about this front seven of Buffalo's. How impressive is it? From what I've seen on film so far, they're pretty good. A lot of speed. They, a lot of their guys have been in their system for a long time, so their experience with, with all their calls and adjustments, they disguise what they're going to do pretty well, so we got to get a good feel for that and be able to anticipate how we're going to beat them.
3: Yeah, and then at the back end, they've got a guy in Tredavious White who's an all-pro, and he's surrounded by some really athletic players there in that secondary. What do you make of that that group there at the back
4: end? really talented dudes. I think we have some talented guys as well that we're gonna be able to spread the ball around and I mean get them on the edge and force the defense to make plays.
3: One of the unique environments in the NFL is in Buffalo. I know you like playing in front of the home crowd here at NRG Stadium but you're also somebody that sort of embraces that road us against the world mentality type of thought aren't you?
4: I am. I'm excited to go up and see another stadium. still, Still pretty new to this. Just really going up there and taking in whatever the the fans throw at us whatever the stadium throws at us. I'm excited for it.
3: All right, we got to see how you're powering game day. So, do you have any game day superstitions?
4: I do not. Nothing. Unfortunately,
3: no. that's probably a good thing, right? <laughs> I guess so. Is there any particular song or set of songs that you kind of listen to on game day to get ready?
4: Really, not since college. We'd play some stuff in high school. I mean, I can't really think of it, but I know we had a set (laughs) playlist in high school that we listened to uh, just in the locker room, but nothing in particular since then.
3: Yeah, and as a quarterback, you kind of got to stay cool, calm, and collected. You can't get too amped up with, uh, with the
4: fun music. All right, last thing.
3: It's a noon game, so what are you eating beforehand?
4: So a lot of guys do the pregame meal because it stays the same. We'll have breakfast offered, and then they'll have like the spaghetti and pastas offered, but Mm -hmm. I'll usually just stick to whatever the time of the day is before the game when I have to eat. So whatever's for breakfast, probably some sort of scrambled eggs or omelet with some sausage or bacon. You just roll with it, don't you? I do.
3: I like it. All right, well, let's roll to a victory, Davis Mills. We appreciate the time. Look forward to talking to you again down the road. Best of luck.
4: Of course. Thanks for having me.
0: Mills, of course. Under the spotlight, maybe more than at any point in his career, sure, Thursday night was his first start, and so a lot of people paying attention to what he was going to do against the Carolina Panthers, but this is now against the AFC champion game combatant from last year, team that won the AFC East going away, won two playoff games, highly experienced, loaded again in 2021, a defense that has been together For a long time, it's an athletic defense. They've added pieces over the last couple years in Russo, Epinesa, and that's what Davis Mills gets to face. But as I said on radio uh, up in Buffalo, he's got an experienced offensive line. He's got experienced tight ends. He's got Brandon Cooks as a receiver, and he's got a lot of experience at running back. Tim Kelly in his third year of calling plays. He's got coaches that have been literally in Baltimore before. He's not bringing a knife to a gunfight. He's going to need to make some plays in this game. It's going to be as tough as any game that Texas are going to play this year. I think this is arguably the most talented team in the AFC, top to bottom, all across the board. Look, the Chiefs have got Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill. But beyond that, I don't know why I look at anybody else and go, yeah, Chris Jones on defense. The Bills, it doesn't stop. This, I think, is the toughest opponent the Texans will face in the AFC this year. They're 17-point underdogs. Nobody thinks they're going to do anything. So you know what? You go up there and you play your game. And if you're Davis, you let it fly. Nobody expects you to throw for uh, a couple tutties and 300 yards or whatever the case might be. So you just make your read, make the throw, and go. And do Whatever you can to help this team in whatever way possible. And let those veterans and those guys around you make some plays. And at the end of 60 Minutes, see where you are. Can't wait for Sunday. A big thanks to everybody who participated on the show. Drew, Deepy, Mark, David Cully, Davis Mills, Roy Lopez, my man Robert Harris back in studio keeping me straight. And you guys for listening. Y'all are the very best. We'll see you Sunday, and as always, go Texans.